the amount of time that I spend studying how the body works, how the brain works, how I can be more focused, how I can have more clarity, like it's half of the things I read in a given week. And it's no surprise that in all of my study, I have come across books and articles from today's guests many, many times. Dave Asprey is considered the father of biohacking. He's worked with world-renowned doctors, researchers, scientists, and global mavericks to uncover the latest, most innovative methods, techniques, and products for enhancing mental and physical performance. We talked about health and mental clarity and brain fog and what to eat and when to eat it. We talked about all the things. If you are not familiar with the title Father of Biohacking, you might know Dave better as the inventor of Bulletproof Coffee. You know that coffee that you put butter in and then you blend it up and then you drink it? He's that guy. Listen to my conversation today with Dave Asprey. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis and this is my podcast. I spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and trying to find out as much as I can about the world around me. And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. I feel really excited for many reasons. One, I want to just talk to you and be friends in real life and ask you 10,000 questions. And two, because I actually have something real in my life that all week long I've been like, who do I know who could answer this for me? Oh, cool. Who do I know? I've done the research. I'm watching YouTube videos. I can't find the answer. And then today I was like, oh my God, you're going to talk to Dave and you can ask Dave this question. So selfishly, I would like to begin with what I'm wondering right now that you may or may not have an answer to, but I feel like you will. I have been training more than I ever have in my life. Strength training, long distance running, horseback riding. I am doing this because I am going through a divorce and that feels like a better choice than vodka, which is an old coping mechanism of, of mine. So I've sort of gone to physical movement as this thing that I choose for stress relief versus something else. And for the first time in my life, I feel like I'm feeling a lot more like I'm just not recovering, yeah. and I also don't know what I'm supposed to be doing to recover because I've never trained like this before. And I've watched a lot of YouTube videos, but I'm very confused because it feels like a bunch of bodybuilders, and I don't know <laughs> the answer. Is it food? Is it a supplement? Is it rest? Is it what? Do you know the answer? Oh, because we could also skip yeah. this question. <laughs> okay. Uh, let me tell you a little story. Uh, that you might have Please seen in, in one of my books or something. I used to weigh 300 pounds. I weigh about oh, maybe 200, 210 pounds, something like that now. And along the way, I said, I'm going to lose this weight. It's the most important thing ever. I don't want to have another knee surgery because I'm too heavy to move around effectively. So I worked out six days a week 
an hour and a half a day, half weights, half cardio. And I did this for 18 months straight on a low fat, low calorie diet. Now, at the end Whoa. of this, I had a 46 inch waist, the same as I did before. I'm a 33 inch now. Okay, what did I gain during that time? I could max out all but two of the machines at the gym. My sleep wasn't good. My testosterone, even though, let's see, I measured it up about a year or two later, it was lower than my mom's testosterone. <laughs> <laughs> I know, because we actually had her data from the same doctor. Wow. I'm like, this is a problem. And I, well, I was getting sick all the time before I started working out. That didn't get any better. I would just get, you know, sinus infections all the time. And I learned that, Overtraining is a thing. And I fast forward to the work I've done with Bulletproof and I've coached women and men, oftentimes very senior executives, people who are doing big things in the world. And it's almost like if, if you're going to go start a company and you're going to make it big, you're also going to run the Kona Ironman triathlon and you're going to work out for an hour a day, <laughs> right? And you're yeah. going to fly to Japan. We don't have to worry about that right now, but you know, you're going to mm -hmm. you know, do something that's bad for your sleep and your circadian rhythm. And I can just stop someone there. And if it's a woman, it usually hits a woman first. And after, or even if they're saying, I'm going to go keto, right? I'm like, no, don't. I, I did that too. And I burned myself out that way. You can dip into ketosis and it's very good for you. And, and that's what my first book was about, how to do that in an effective way. And actually, it was my second book. My first book was on pregnancy and fertility. But <laughs> the, uh, the thing that's happening now, especially with long distance running, which is really rough, is that it can affect your cortisol levels and that can affect the mm -hmm. rest of your hormones. So when someone says, all right, I'm going to use exercise as a coping mechanism, you get an opiate rush from that, but then you got to recover more. And sometimes recovering more means exercising every other day. Mm. And the research on minimal effective dose of exercise says that if you want your mitochondria, these power plants in your cells to be effective and to grow, you need 20 minutes of moving every day. This is going for a walk, right? And then once or twice a week, you need to do something that makes you want to cry or throw up and do it for 15 minutes. <laughs> okay. Now, that's awesome. That's not going to be direction. enough for you because you want more than that. But if that's the low end, the high end where it starts not being good for you, it sounds like you might be hitting it. So the first thing you want to do is know when to exercise. So for me, after years of just intuiting this, I became very quantitative. And for almost 15 years, I've monitored my sleep quality. Now I use a ring. It's called the Aura Ring. Mm -hmm. And just full disclosure, I'm not trying to sell it. I am an investor in the company because I was CTO of a competitor to them that we sold for $100 million, So I know the space really well. The reason I like this, Rachel, is I wake up in the morning and it gives me a readiness score that's based on how my heart beats, not how fast it beats, but little, little variations in it. That is a strong signal to say, today is a day to go hard or today is a day to go to yoga. Mm -hmm. right? You can still exercise, right? But if you know I'm strong today, then you push. And if you know today's a recovery day, then you do the restful types of recovery. And this is to the point, I started a company called Upgrade Labs, which is meant to almost replace gyms, although you can still go work out however you want, but it's to recover faster than you're supposed to. And we've got things like cryotherapy and red light therapy and stuff like that. Because for me to run, not just, I mean, you, you're one of the few people who understands what it's like. Okay, I have a, you know, 200 million downloads on, on my podcast and it's you know, top 100. 
and I write books um, about the same schedules you do and you know how, how draining it can be to just get all that out of you in under words. Right. Uh, and I'm also CEO of multiple companies and, and I was CEO of Bulletproof for a long time before I hired a CEO and that's you know a giant company, at least by my standards now, lots of zeros in its revenues. So I was over training my brain and then I'd say, I'm going to go exercise. And I just realized, look, some days I don't have it. And it's okay. And it's actually an act of kindness to say today, even though part of me wants to exercise and go hard because it's going to let that stress out, I know that if I do that, it's actually going to take away from my, my mental state and from my happiness state. Totally. And I definitely have, I'm very graceful with myself. Like there are days that I go up to the garage gym and I, I'm going to stretch for 30 nice. minutes or I'm going to dance to Beyonce. Like I'm going to do something very, I, it is really important to me. It's a huge part of my routine to move, like you said, every day, but it doesn't always have to be something intense, but I do feel like it's just the first time in my life. I would say in the last six weeks where I was like, you know what? I, I gave myself a personal challenge. So this is probably part of it too, is I gave myself a personal challenge of, I'm going to eat insanely clean, mm. like no BS, like super clean. And I'm going to be really thoughtful about what are the body parts that I'm working out? How, like, I just wanted to be, instead of just kind of going out there and kind of like doing whatever, I wanted to be really focused. And I can tell such a difference in my energy. I can tell such a difference in my body, but I also am experiencing this like inflammation oh, or okay. what. And I'm like, well, what, what, I don't know what to do. Here's, I don't want to take ibuprofen. Here's what's probably going on. Talk to me about. I feel like I'm at a doctor's appointment. Oh, I, I love hacking, uh, especially someone who's, <laughs> who's really mindful the way you are. I just, I love these conversations. So thanks for letting me help. When you say you're eating clean, what are you doing for carbohydrates? So I have Sweet potatoes is kind of my go-to. Um, I worked with a nutritionist last year, and the option I, – I tend to focus only on whole foods. So the option for carbs was like you could have a sweet potato, you could have a plain baked potato regular, you could have rice, but I really like sweet potatoes, so that's, that's my jam. I basically am having – here we go. Here's my diet. I do bulletproof coffee in the morning. Oh, really? Watch cool. out. Cause I, yeah, because I do intermittent fasting. And then I have a smoothie. That's how I break my fast. And then What's I... What's in the smoothie? Is it kale and spinach? Spinach, almond milk, hemp, uh, cacao nibs, because I recently heard that was good for brain power. I'll do anything that I hear makes you think better. Natural almond butter and then uh, collagen protein powder. Oh, I have a theory. What else should you. be in the smoothie? Oh, okay. Yes. Oh. My God, please find some loophole right this now. This is so from excited. chapter one in uh, the Bulletproof Diet. <laughs> okay, I need Okay, I haven't read that book. I read your books on how to use your brain better. Oh my, oh, so you read Headstrong. Okay, you might, you should exactly. revisit or you should, you should check out the Bulletproof Diet. It was the first book to talk about these four classes of plant toxins. Because, I mean, you're a okay. mom, I'm a dad we would do anything to protect our babies, right? Mm -hmm. Well, we have brains and arms and legs. Plants don't. So they generally right. cover their babies in chemicals to discourage us from eating them. Mm -hmm. And every single thing you're putting in your smoothie contains one of the four <gasps> classes of plant toxins. 
One of them is called lectins. And in the, just right. in the last few years, um, Dr. Gundry's done a lot of publicizing mm-hmm. of the lectin problem. And you don't have that many lectins in what you're eating. But the second one, which I actually, I talked about on the don't Joe Rogan show. Don't say almonds. Show, it really Don't say almonds. You what? I am going to say almonds. I'm sorry. But almonds, I literally, it's half my diet, that's man. That's part for of real. what's going on. And spinach is the worst except for kale. So raw spinach and raw kale are very high in something called oxalic acid. Everything oh, you're putting in your smoothie <laughs> is a source of oxalates. And that could be I'm about to become a superhero. You're going to clean up my diet. I'm about to become a superhero. Everyone just get ready, okay? It's funny. my almonds? um, My head of training at 40 Years of Zen just went through this, and she's like, I'm going to eat clean. I'm going to really work on this. And so she'd been doing a bunch of raw spinach in her smoothies and a similar thing. And she says, my joints all started hurting. I don't understand what's going on. Yeah, you're getting too much oxalic acid. So ditch the spinach. And so kale. Kale and spinach are really, especially raw, don't do that. You know how your grandma Whoa. would eat creamed spinach? Right. The reason Delicious. she would do that, yeah. and we would all do that, is that when you put milk, which has calcium, into your spinach, the calcium binds to this toxin and prevents it from causing the same types of problems. So we knew this. Otherwise, wow. like a spinach salad was the dumbest thing ever when it was first invented and no one who'd been around for 50 years would touch it. It was only you know young people like, oh, I'm going to do it. It's trendy. So right. you can clean up a little bit. You just maybe have some almonds, but just go down a little bit. And if you were to take a little bit of baking soda when you eat, potassium bicarbonate okay. would be better. That will bind to those toxins. You can do it outside the body or inside the body. And that'll help to minimize this literally three days of just kind of eat some walnuts instead of some almonds. That'll be okay. I'm allergic to walnuts. Oh, that sucks. You're screwed. I know. They're so good for your brain. Try some macadamias. They're also good. Wait, so... How much almonds am I allowed to have? You know, I, until it goes kidding, away, it's half my diet. you're going to have to just, just stop almonds. If you have one or two, it doesn't matter, but stop almonds for a week and just see what happens. Almonds and spinach, right. cacao has some in it. And if, if the cacao is really good, but what I'd tell you to do when your stomach's empty, break a fast with a handful of cacao and wait 20 minutes. And if your joints Ooh. hurt, you're itchy or your brain gets foggy, you have cacao that's not that clean. Or it's not working for mm, you because it's either right. going to be really good or cacao is a, a major source of mold toxins, which are the other, the other right. one of those four categories of mother nature toxins. And it's hard when you have that stuff in food. It happens either in the field or during storage. But chocolate, coffee, wine, beer, and grains are the highest risk ones. And now you're going to hate me for saying this. By the way, I love sweet potatoes. I, when I was a raw no. vegan, I way over oxalic acided myself. Sweet potatoes are also high in oxalic acid. So, dang it. I do remember reading your book and I was like, damn it, Dave, what am I supposed I, to I eat? I recommend sweet potatoes for most people because they're a great source of carbs. But if you're doing yeah. tons of all of these together, what you've done is you've right. lined up this one category of plant defense systems. So you're getting so many of those. And all they're doing, all this is plants saying, could you not eat my babies? <laughs> could you eat some right. other plants, maybe? Right. Right. Whoa. So in the, what, if you're making a smoothie, what would you put in it? Um, I like to have something creamy as the base of the smoothie. So you can use coconut milk and this will sound crazy, but it's really good. So ice cream is egg yolks and cream and sugar. If you take a smoothie 
and you take an egg, you wash the egg first in case there's the one in 45,000 chance that there's salmonella on the outside, toss the raw egg white and put two egg yolks in your smoothie and your brain will explode with goodness because there are phospholipids in those egg yolks. Your hormones will get healthier. Your skin will glow. Your hair will glow and you won't taste it. It's just creamy. You can even put that in coffee if you want to. You just blend it in. It goes away. You're blowing my mind right now. Okay. And, and these are the things, it's, it's actually even more important for women because when we eat fats, especially undamaged fats like you'd find in a, in a soft cooked or an uncooked egg yolk, and you eat even the things you're getting in almond butter, which you're going to skip for a little while, that's not heavily roasted, what you end up doing is you're telling your body, here's some building blocks that are not damaged by processing. And when you can get those oils in, it changes things. And women's hormones fluctuate, as we all know. So your ability to make hormones on a consistent basis as you need them is different than a man's. So I feel like the ratio of the types of stable and just healthful fats is more important for women than for men. But for both genders, if we have a, not enough saturated fat and a whole bunch of damaged fats and oxalic acid or lectins or things like that, over time, we feel it in our joints. We feel it in a little bit of like brain fog and tiredness. Wow. What if this is, I, I literally asked myself this last week. I was like, what if this was all because of almonds, Rachel? And then I was like, well, I'll just give up because I don't know what else to eat. I, I had to radically my lower life. my almonds as well. I used to live off almonds. It was a big thing, especially when I was a raw vegan. But even before that, you know, almonds healthy. Um, but right. what I found was um, very, very moderate amounts of those things. And by minimizing the oxalic acid in my diet, I saved that for things like chocolate, <laughs> which is a source because I really like chocolate. So right. I kind of ration it. And I don't live with that constant joint pain that was a major part of my life uh, when I was younger. Uh, you said something that I feel like is such a, a cool thing to learn. You were talking about uh, fats that had been damaged. Yeah. Can you explain how a fat gets damaged and if it's damaged, how that affects your body versus oh, something that's sort of like clean I and natural and ready question. to go? Thank you, Rachel. <laughs> okay. So when you take a, a whole food, um, even say avocados, but more likely corn or soy or canola, which is also known as rapeseed, which is what you know, canola is marketing, Canada oil, they put those together. These are things where you couldn't really eat that much corn oil. You can eat a piece of corn on the cob or some popcorn and the corn oil is negligible. But when you take it and you basically crush it, squeeze the oil out and then pour industrial solvents through it, heat it, bleach it, deodorize it, you get something that looks like the oil at the grocery store. But when you eat it, it's entirely unlike the oils that your body is made out of. And when you feed animals the, that corn and soy, their fat becomes like it's made out of corn and soy. We have the same problems. Our fat cells are supposed to be about 45% saturated fat, and they should be undamaged, these omega-6 oils. And then you need a little bit of these fish oils. And what's happened in the US especially, we have so much of these crappy seed oils that are heavily damaged and then you fry them with heat and air and you reuse them at restaurants and things like that. What you end up with is cell membranes that are so unstable that they get inflammation very quickly. There's a reason we're having such a problem with COVID in the US right now. And it's because for a lot of us, the ratio of these damaged omega-6 seed oils to the omega-3 oils it's 40 
to one. And a healthy ratio, wow. if you want to live a long time, is four to one. Wow. So the deal is you can have a raw piece of avocado, but don't deep fry the avocado. Don't eat anything deep fried. And if you just did those two things, stop the deep frying and switch to grass-fed meat whenever you can because the fat in that is natural fat that's undamaged, that's made of the good stuff. And that said, if you take it and you say, oh, this is grass-fed, but I'm going to deep fry it, I'm going to char it, I'm going to cook it at 500 degrees for a while, you're still damaging it. So gently cooked hamburgers, gently cooked grass-fed ribs, it can be any cut you like, that for most people, especially if they've been vegan like I was, the first time you eat that, Rachel, you know the feeling when your brain works and you're like, oh, you, mm -hmm. you get a food high, but not like an MSG sugar right. coffee food high, right? but just like, oh my God, like I got what I needed. Right. A grass-fed ribeye will do that for you in the most miraculous right. way. And since you're working out a lot, I think you probably need more protein. So right. And, and I do. I, yeah, for sure. Okay. How I, I got so excited to talk to you that I feel like this is a very delayed thing. I'll do a really good intro for you. But how did you come by this knowledge? Will you oh, sort of tell this story a little bit? Because I feel like it, we're not doing the same thing at all, but it's a similar way that we work in that you are the guinea pig. Like oh, you yeah. are the, you started with yourself and you are teaching what you learned over the course of your life and trying to, to understand your body. This was hard earned knowledge. I was obese as a kid. I was diagnosed with arthritis when I was 14 years old in my knees. Um, by the mm -hmm. time I was in my, my mid twenties, I'd hit 300 pounds. I had, was diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia all kinds of things. And I tried every diet out there. And I said, this is great. I can lose 50 pounds on keto. What today people call keto, you know, it's really dirty keto where you just eat anything that's not a carb and you'll be fine. And it was called the Atkins diet way back in the day. The problem oh, was yeah. the other 50 pounds took me 10 years to lose. And everyone who goes on keto and doesn't monitor the type of fat and the type of protein they're eating ends up in a place of inflammation where they've lost a bunch of weight. They know it works, so they keep doing it more, but they never lose the other 50 pounds. Then maybe they do what I did. Oh, I'll just be a vegan or I'll be a raw vegan. And, and then it works really well for six weeks. And then the oxalic acid starts to build up. And then the nutrient deficiencies start to build up. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait, but my hormones aren't working right. And you say, but I know I felt so good on it, I'll do it even more. And you keep doubling down on something that you know works, except it stopped working. So for me, it was navigating those. And then sitting down, thank God, when I was in my mid-20s, I went to an anti-aging nonprofit research group. Everyone in the room is 70 plus, and there's you know <laughs> fat 26, 27-year-old me. And these people were getting younger, and they had so much knowledge and wisdom. This is like hanging out with the elders. And one of the board members was 88 years old and he had more energy than I did. I'm like, how is this possible? Uh, his name was Mike. And they, every month near Stanford University, we'd have an expert come in and talk. And all of a sudden I realized everything that I was doing that I thought would work was not based on any real science. And I was getting to know the experts and I learned how to interview them. And I started reading all the papers and I sat down when my doctor told me vitamin C would kill me. Literally, he said, you have to stop your three grams of vitamin C a day. It could kill you. And I, I just said, well, what about Linus Pauling? This is a guy who won two Nobel Prizes, took 90 grams of vitamin C a day. 
And he didn't know who he was. I'm like, my doctor doesn't know what he's doing. I got pissed off, you know, young, angry engineer, computer hacker guy. And for four years, I spent as much money as I wanted to because I was at a company, the company that held Google's first servers. I made $6 million when I was 26. Lost it when I was 28, by the way. Talk about stress. <laughs> <laughs> but during that time, I'm like, I will spend everything I have in order to feel good again. And I spent $300,000 getting my health back. And I spent since then another probably seven, $800,000 on just realizing I can't believe my brain can do this. And I opened a neuroscience company that kind of combines that personal development thing with hard, you know, electrodes on the head showing you what's going on in there. And I became an expert in cognitive enhancement and smart drugs and all, because I just wanted to, I wanted to feel like, Actually, you know what I, truthfully, there's a feeling if you're in a car and you press the accelerator all the way to the floor and the car keeps slowing down and you're going, I can't push any harder, right? Like I'm pushing as hard as I can. There's nothing else to do. And you feel this kind of sense of panic, like someone's going to hit me from behind, but like, I don't know what to do. I was there. And so that sense of desperation, I said, I don't ever want to feel like I don't have enough energy to handle what life brings my way. So I built this out and I wrote my blog Rachel, I was a VP at a big Silicon Valley company, publicly traded. I had stock options and my blog was called The Bulletproof Executive when I started. And I, I literally said, five people are going to read this. And if they do that and they can avoid what I went through, I will have done such an act of service that it's totally worth it. And I didn't build a list. I didn't do anything you're supposed to do. I just shared it and I structured it and I put all that I learned as a, as a teacher at the University of California and in my career in tech just to make it accessible. Because if someone had just told me that when I was 16, the amount of free energy that I would have had to do anything would have been so right. much higher. That's where I came from was just suffering and trying everything and meeting the experts and interviewing them. And now I've, I'm sometime this coming year, I think I'll cross a thousand episodes of Bulletproof Radio. I've got two full years of audio and, you know, six books just studying this because no one puts the info together in a way that you can do unless you've studied the way I have. And frankly, I would have rather just read a couple books and gone about doing something else. So that, that's right. where I came from. Well, I think you're, you're saying this and I'm thinking this is why there's so much frustration and there's so much pain and confusion inside of health and the health industry because people don't know what to do. Or even, you know, I'm thinking of, of the awesome opportunity to get to have this conversation with you and you going, hey, try these three things. It's really easy. Eliminate this. See how you feel. Eliminate that. See how, like, that's direction for me. But I also am coming from a place where I am incredibly healthy. I feel good. I have, but I know what it feels like to be 50 pounds overweight and have no clue oh my God. where to start. And then try, try your hardest, do what you think you're supposed to do and see no results and feel so frustrated and so defeated. And you don't think it's because you don't have the answers. You think it's because you're an idiot. Oh, you think or it's because you you're a bad because, person or a failure because right, you didn't like, try hard why enough. Why can't, right, yeah. Why didn't I try harder? Or like my sister can, you know, her body looks so great and I don't know what to do. Like there's so much wrapped up in this. There's so much, I'm sure there's like some term, but like 
confu- food confusion yeah. about what is good. And even there are times, truthfully, where I try and sort of take that deep dive where I want to learn, understand how plants are killing us all. And like all, you know, where I'm like, I get, I get overwhelmed and I'm like, I don't know, you know, what I'm supposed to do. I'm curious how you keep moving forward in an industry that holds that for lack of a better description, is such a trigger for so many people. Rachel, one of the things that really stands out, um, last year I was in Men's Health magazine and they it wasn't just like in it, there was an eight-page spread or some multiple pages anyway, and they showed up to do the, the shoot. And if you're going to have your shirt off in a men's magazine, there's a recipe for that. And it involves taking right. diuretics and fasting for a couple of days. And so you're dehydrating, like yeah. And ripped. Yeah. Okay. I didn't do any of that and I'm not going to take my shirt off because I'm not the shirts off kind of guy. There's lots of actors yeah. who do that. I'm the, yeah. the New York Times says I'm almost muscular. I'm like, great. That's the people who live the longest. I'm okay with that. Right? <laughs> like, that's funny. To me, that was an awesome comment to them. I think it was meant to be a neg, but I'm like, no, I'm going to own that. And <laughs> anyhow, they're like, oh, we'll take your shirt off in your cryotherapy chamber. I'm like, I am not going to do this. Like, that is stupid. And they're like, no, just try it. You know, if you don't like it, we have to do it. So I took my shirt off and there I am. And I have abs. Okay. They just grow naturally. I don't aim for abs. Uh, But if you look closely, you can see my stretch marks in Men's Health magazine Mm -hmm. on the side of my abs. And those are kind of like battle scars for why I do what I do. And I still have people say, Dave, you're such a liar. You didn't weigh 300 pounds. And I'm like, screw you. (laughs) I'm I'm very certain I did weigh 300 pounds. Yeah. Right. And you get these haters that you're lying. Uh, When you're testing out your diet and you ate 4,500 calories a day and still lost weight, that's not possible. Therefore, it didn't happen. And that those words I said, that's not possible, therefore it isn't, that's a story we tell ourselves right. and science right. says it. You have to eat a certain way, you have to eat low fat, you have to do all these things or it can't work. Well, I did what's supposed to work and I stayed fat. That right. working out an hour and a half a day, six days a week for 18 months and still weighing 300 pounds, that kind of a thing, it... it it made me think I was a bad person. It made me think I was a moral failure, that I was eating too much lettuce. You know, I'm sitting at Carl's Jr. and my friends are eating double Western bacon cheeseburgers and I'm having the chicken salad with no dressing and no chicken. And, and it's because I'm eating too much lettuce, right? So eventually I ran into that and I just didn't want others uh, to run into the same thing. And tied up in all this, Rachel, and this is probably more true for women than for men if you just look at the data, is there's a component of loneliness and eating. And for me, Mm. I was afraid. I didn't know I was afraid, but I was afraid of being alone. And I knew that if I didn't eat six meals a day, I'd go into starvation mode and I'd get fatter because someone told me that and I believed the story. So part of my path is I went into the desert with a shaman. She dropped me off in a cave outside Sedona. No one's around for 10 miles and I've got no food. And I fasted for four days in a cave so I could face loneliness and hunger and see that I wouldn't die. And I wrote a book about that. It's called Fast This Way. It's just coming out, fastthisway.com. And the whole book is narrated. This is what it's like to decide to walk out in the desert. This is the emotional side of it. This is what happens when you don't eat. And what I've learned over 10 years of, of putting intermittent fasting on the map as a part of my work, I mean, you, you do it, you mentioned you're doing Bulletproof Coffee and intermittent fasting. There are haters who say, you can't drink 
coffee that has fat in it and still be fasting? I'm like, well, the evidence and the people have lost a million pounds on my diet might disagree with you. Right. But <laughs> what, what ends up happening is you can say, I'm going to fast because it'll make me live longer and I'm going to do it with zero pain because I use a little bit of fat or a little bit of a certain kind of mm -hmm. prebiotic fiber. These are the hacks in the book to take away the pain. If you're a busy mom or a busy dad, you know, maybe you didn't want to feel the full, the full weight of your fast, but you wanted to feel good. And then maybe you wait till the weekend and you do what I call a spiritual fast in the book, which is where, you know what, I'm going to just like feel the the fear that's in my body. Okay, newsflash, you won't die if you don't eat for 60 days. You, you just feel like you're going to die. That story isn't <laughs> real. And so right. I wanted to unpack it. Here's how to do a, a mindfulness fast. And here's how to do a daily practice that doesn't cost you anything and gives you more than you put into it. And that's what I learned over the last 10 years of fasting, but it started in a cave so I could face that it's okay to be alone. It's okay to not have any food. You're not going to die even though you think you will. Right. You know, what's interesting is that I heard about intermittent fasting forever and I was like, I'm not, I'm, you know, not interested. Yeah, well, I don't need abhorrent. that, whatever. <laughs> Well, it's because in my head, I thought, oh, this thing exists to help people lose weight. And that's not, that wasn't my aim. And then I read something that was like about your ability, like that it helped with mental fog and that you could yeah. think better and whatever. And I was like, oh, well, I for sure I'm going to try that then. Because like I told you, all I want in the world are the hacks to like have a better, brighter, more energy in my thought process during the day. And... It blew my mind, like fully blew my mind how fast I felt a difference. And again, this idea for so many people, I actually hesitate. I haven't really talked about uh, fasting publicly because I worry with my audience that they're going to hear it as like, oh, this is my hack to go lose weight. And that's not my intention behind it. But thank you for, for saying that for everyone listening Speaking as a former very heavy person for a lot of my life um, who doesn't diet, I just eat foods that make me feel good, uh, mm -hmm. who doesn't weigh myself on a regular basis because I don't need to. I can tell you I'm 10 point whatever percent body fat uh, because I have all the high tech gadgets that do that, but I don't, I don't have to do it all the time because I know because you feel a certain way. You eat for energy and to feel good and you ignore the scale and the fat will mm -hmm. fall off. And it can mm -hmm. do it a few pounds a week. It can do it one pound a week. But if you do things specifically to cause yourself to lose weight, almost always what happens, and there's a, a pathway, there's actually two hunger hormones. One's called ghrelin and one's called CCK. And CCK makes you feel full and ghrelin makes you feel ravenous. And when you lose weight, the way most of us have learned to do it, which is by eating less and exercising more, <laughs> what ends up happening is your body still has the hunger levels of when you were fat. And mm. you will eventually return to that and then some. So I didn't really lose 100 pounds. I lost probably two or 300 pounds because you lose 25, gain 35, lose 35, gain 45, lose 45, gain 55. Wow, and yep. you yo-yo. Everyone who's lost meaningful amounts of weight has experienced this. But when you toss all that stuff out and say, I'm going to eat to have a lot of energy and you get enough of the right kinds of fats in there, all of a sudden... All the willpower that we use, it, it doesn't, it's not supposed to be a, about willpower. If the hunger is right. turned off because you tweaked those two hormones by eating the right stuff at the right time, 
what you're doing with your practice, Rachel. And I love it that you're using Bulletproof Coffee. Not because I started the company. It won't change my life <laughs> if you do or don't drink Bulletproof at this point. Right. Okay. It's that for women in particular, skipping breakfast every day without any energy tends to be really stressful if you do it all the time. So I right. advise women in Fast This Way, there's a whole chapter on fasting for women, is that maybe you want to just have a, a morning where you're doing intermittent fasting every other morning. And that might be mm -hmm. just enough for you. But that time when your body says, I have no sugar, I have no protein, you mean I can use all those systems to repair myself and I can use them for thinking and I'm not taking in any of this oxalic acid or corn syrup or artificial whatevers that are messing with you. It's a time of regeneration and energy, not a time of lack, not a time of hunger and cravings. And I tell you, the first time someone told me to skip a meal, I was like, are you kidding me? I, I remember very distinctly in Silicon Valley, I would sometimes end a, a meeting at 1145. I'm like, guys, I can't focus anymore. I just need to go eat. So we're just going to end the meeting and we'll go to the cafeteria because if I don't eat now, I'm going to eat one of you. And I would walk right. out of the room because I felt like I was going to die. It wasn't real, but I was having energy crash because I didn't know how to eat. Can you explain to people who might not be familiar how many calories are burned by like the what is the relation and it's like there's so much relationship between your brain and your gut and what is required of your body in to digest food and so cuz that was a big deal for me when I started to feel so much more energy when I did this that I was like what is going on and I would even feel a shift in when I would break my fast. I even felt like I, like even that choice to break my fast sort of took away the mental clarity that I felt like I had. So can you talk about how much, how many calories your brain needs to be able to function and also what happens when you eat and sort of things being pulled into your gut? Well, your brain uses somewhere around 20% of your energy and sometimes more, sometimes less. But it's interesting, the neurons in your brain, the parts that do the thinking, they are desperate for more energy. They have more of these little power plants, the mitochondria in them, than almost any other cells in the body. Except in women, in your ovaries, you have 100,000 mitochondria per cell. And, and otherwise, your neurons in the brain have 15,000 mitochondria per cell on average. And the rest of you has like 1,000. So this is like... This is where the, the good stuff happens and the body's equipped you to do that. And they're desperate for energy and they're telling you, could you get me some sugar? Unless you've done a little bit of fasting and you've trained them to burn fat. And when they can burn fat, you go into this mild state of ketosis. Funny enough, when you drink that bulletproof coffee that has the MCT oil in it, MCT oil mm -hmm. turns into ketones even if you haven't been fasting or you're not doing keto and all that kind of stuff. And then the neurons are like, wait a minute, if I burn a ketone, I get more electrons than if I burn sugar. And they will actually burn fat even if there's sugar present. And you feel this extra power boost that comes from that. But if at the same time, instead of doing that in the morning, you said, oh, I'm going to have even a bowl of healthy oatmeal, which is all carbs anyway, then like, okay, we can burn the carbs. We just burn them with less energy. And if you fast and you don't have anything, all the energy that goes into digesting food, which is a huge amount of creating enzymes in the pancreas and the liver, all of that energy doesn't have anywhere else to go. So the body says, hmm, maybe I should clean up some dead cells while I'm at it. 
maybe I should grow new cells while I'm at it. I'll fold some proteins over here. And it's a time of regeneration. And because when it's doing that, it raises ketones, it increases that fullness hormone, CCK, and it drops the hunger hormone called ghrelin. So all of a sudden, if you do this right, at 10 a.m. when you normally reach for the bagel or the muffin, like that's the snack time, if someone puts even a donut in front of you, you just look at it and you're like, I'm really not hungry. Okay. Right. No willpower required. So when I was heavy, mm-hmm. I remember they would bring like a plate of cookies in or, or one of these things in meetings in in like at big companies. And you're sitting there in a meeting just looking at it and it's like, eat me. And you go, no. And he goes, eat me. No. And pretty soon it's like a voice shouting in your head. And eventually, just like with a two-year-old, you're like, okay, I'll just eat half. And then after the meeting, I'm like, I told myself I wasn't going to eat a cookie today. And I ate half a cookie. What's wrong with me? Well, nothing's wrong with me. It's because I ran out of electrons for willpower. And my body is like, right. eat that, eat that. But if you turn off the signal, Rachel, it, then the freedom comes because it's not even a choice. Like, I just right. don't want it. Instead of telling yourself you don't want to want it, they're so different and it's so liberating. <laughs> that was why I wrote my whole diet book was to turn that on for people. And when you're you're not having food in your stomach, all the the kryptonite foods, the foods that cause inflammation and cravings, those aren't present. But then the body can actually get down to work on itself instead of working on melting whatever's in your stomach. That's why snacking is I'm, really not good for you. I'm sure. Wait, snacking? What's <laughs> I'm not supposed to snack either. <laughs> well, if you eat the right food, you shouldn't right. want to snack. I'm not telling you if you're hungry, don't eat. I'm saying if you ate, if, if your smoothie worked for you when you broke your right. fast, you shouldn't want any more food until dinner. You're just like, you could snack, but you don't want to. Wait, wait. Tell me what you eat in a day. Okay. Because you you're going from you're going from breaking your fast to dinner time. Sometimes, and in, okay. In fast this way, I talk about the different styles of intermittent fasting and longer fasts, and it turns out that for women, you probably don't want to do on a super regular basis that just wait till dinner. Today, I may wait till dinner. That official is a twenty four hour fast. Sometimes people call that an OMAD or one meal a day. And there can be that like kind of like, I'm so tough, you know, I'm, I'm fasting, you look at me. But that's not what it's about. For me today, I have a, a intense schedule because I'm ramping up for the launch of Fast This Way. And I just don't really have time for lunch. So I've had a Bulletproof coffee for breakfast, which has the MCT oil, the butter, the special beans. And I'll probably have a black coffee in a little while. And that's all I want. I, my energy's up. I mean, you, you can tell. You're, yeah. You've talked to a yeah. lot of people. I'm not holding back. I, you know, like I'm, right. I'm vib- vibrating with good energy. And I may around three or four o'clock have something. Maybe I'll have some dark chocolate. <laughs> Maybe uh, something like that, but probably not. And then dinner, I'll have an early dinner around 5, 5.30. If you have an earlier dinner, you sleep better. If you can put three hours between your last bite of food and when you go to sleep your sleep quality will be much higher so the early dinner works we'll sit down with the kids with my wife lana and that is going to be some sort of grass-fed something probably something from our farm Um, so it might be a piece of uh, one of the like a piece of pork or it could be some lamb or some beef it'll always be grass-fed or i'm not going to eat it there's going to be a ton of vegetables and get this this there's going to make some keto people angry i'm going to have some carbs tonight rachel I'm going to have some. Oh, watch out. 
I'm gonna have some white rice because it turns out that wild a, that some carbs work really well. But because I use this MCT oil, the the brain octane stuff that I make, I put it in the morning. This is what's magic. If you can bump your ketone levels up just a little bit, all of your hunger goes away, which is why I'm not hungry right now. Here's what raises those ketones. Just fasting will do it. Eight hours of fasting gives you a teeny tiny bump, but not enough. Then black coffee, just the amount of caffeine in a couple small cups of coffee doubles your ketone levels. Mm. And then MCT oil gives you about four times more and you get a little bit from the butter. So the magic of Bulletproof Coffee there is that it raised the levels for most people just enough to turn off the hunger hormone and turn on the full hormone. And instead of your body going, I don't have any energy, oh my God, what am I gonna do? Your body says, I got enough energy from this oil because MCT oil can't be stored as fat, it has to be burned. So now your brain's like, yeah, I got this and it does it better than if you just get breakfast. And this is why, like Bulletproof Coffee, I, I, I'm okay at marketing, but I started out saying business people need this. And so it was Silicon Valley people did it, then Wall Street people, then it hit Hollywood and the recording industry and Rick Rubens and the New York Times saying, I drank Bulletproof Coffee and Ed Sheeran's on the red carpet. I don't, I didn't know those guys. I'm, I got to know Rick, but like, I, I didn't set that up. It was organic because they're like, we have to fly everywhere and we have to sing and show up and look a certain way. And then it hit pro athletes and then it hit the world because everyone's losing all this weight on it. It's that reason. It turned off your hunger. <laughs> That's what's really going on. I'm I'm trying to think of listeners right now who are maybe hearing this for the first time, who are like, where do I even begin? Right? So you have a new book coming out. You're talking about fasting, which I imagine for a lot of people who have never done it before feels very scary. In it, really it practical does. terms, like I'll, I'll just say sort of mine, in really practical terms, I'm eating, uh, I'm breaking my fast somewhere between 11 and 12. And I'm trying, my, my goal then is to be done. I have eaten dinner by 6.30. That's usually my way. So window. healthy. That's a great um, schedule. And, and for what it's worth, when I started, I wasn't at, you know, having a smoothie at 11.30. I was, it was much earlier for me because my body was like, I don't know what's happening. Plus you're working I'm out starving. a lot. You need more food if right. you work out. It's okay to do that right. when you work out more. Right. So I slowly sort of got myself to this place, but I, it, it is exactly what you say. Like I'm now it's like today I was in a meeting. I, my meeting started at nine and I was like, oh shoot. Okay. I, you know, it was almost noon. And I'm like, oh, I, I need to have my smoothie because I got to go do a thing and that's going to be my last chance to eat for a while. So if someone's listening to this and they're like, you know what, I'm just going to try it, right? Like we're not saying you just test it yourself and see how you feel about it. Where do you suggest they even begin? Well, if you check out my daveasprey.com blog, I have a lot written about this, um, including a copy of the, the Bulletproof Diet Roadmap. But Right now, I am putting together a, a two-week fasting challenge for people that comes out when my book comes out. You order a copy of the book. I will do it for you for free. I'll talk to you every day <laughs> and put it together. So how do you do it? We start really slow. How to use the fasting hacks that turn off the hunger and the pain of, of fasting so your body can get used to burning fat. And we work all the way up until the last two days is going to be a spiritual fast where you're going to fast for a whole 24 hours, but we won't use the hacks during that time. So you'll actually experience the, oh my God, look at how strong that craving is. 
but you've already learned, oh, that craving, it's a feeling, but it's not based on me actually starving because I know I did it yesterday and I know I'm okay. And there's some journaling aspects to it as well. So I would just go to fastthisway.com and, and I would love to have people sign up for that. And this is mostly about getting you to read the book and then teaching you as a teacher how to experience what's in the book. Because if someone had just taught me to intermittent fast when I was like 20 years old, oh my God, my life would have been so different because I wouldn't have been as heavy. But more importantly, I wouldn't have been such a jerk. Because <laughs> <laughs> one side effect, when your body is, is making inflammation and making fat instead of making thoughts and actions and feelings, is that you don't have as much energy to regulate your emotions. So if your metabolism is off, your emotions will be off. And then you say things you wish you didn't say and you do things you wish you didn't do and then you feel guilty about it. But it's all biology. It's all hardware. It, it's, not, it's not a moral issue at all. It's that you didn't have the energy it took to practice kindness. So you defaulted to defensiveness. And man, for me, I look at all the stupid and mean things I've done in my life. Most of the time, it's because my brain didn't have the energy that it needed in order to be nice. Oh my gosh. I feel like I could nerd out and talk to you for 10 hours. And I hope that sometime when we're not inside of COVID, we get to do that in real well, life. in Austin, yeah. Awesome. Because I feel like I... All I want in the world is to know how to take care of myself so that my brain is as strong as it can be. And in five seconds, you've already like in the first five minutes, you're already like, oh, you're doing these four things that are probably causing this problem. So I'm going to test it. I'm going to test this, the theory. Let me know. And then I'm, I will. I will okay. report back and let you know. I, I, I'm going to switch to coconut milk. That's what you're telling me to, to go to. It's creamy and delicious. Okay. All right. Just feels like it has sugar, which I thought sugar was something we're supposed to be afraid of. It doesn't have any sugar if it's of. unsweetened coconut milk. If it's unsweetened coconut yeah. milk. All right. All right. You heard it here first, you guys. I'm going to give up almonds. My God. What am I going to do with my Just life? Just for a week or two. If it works, you'll know. Yeah. No, that's exactly right. Hey, I super appreciate the time. I appreciate you letting me pick your brain. If people, I know we're going to head over to the website, we're going to check out the new book, we're going to do a fasting challenge, but if they want to follow you on social, if they want to listen to your podcast, will you tell them where they can find you? Yes. The podcast is called Bulletproof Radio, two episodes a week of, in fact, you were just on, and uh, <laughs> these are people who are on a path of becoming better humans and usually people who've done really meaningful things, sometimes nerdy science types and sometimes people who are moving lots of hearts and minds. And it's always about learning. Uh, it's not about lecturing. And on Instagram, I'm dave.asprey and I'm easiest to find there. I do a lot of lives and things like that. And I'd love, uh, love to share some knowledge with you. And if it works for you, awesome. My goal in all the stuff is that you should get more value out of the time you invest with me um, than it cost you to do it. Otherwise you should not, mm -hmm. you should unfollow me. So it's all about <laughs> providing value. Right, right. Man, I, I'm so excited. I feel like I have a new thing to test. So thank you so much for being here. And guys, if you enjoyed this episode with Dave and I, please take a screenshot, tag both of us on social so we can see and hear what you thought. The Rachel Hollis podcast is hosted by me, Rachel Hollis. Our show is produced by Chelsea Harfouche and edited by Andrew Weller with additional production support by Sterling Coates. Our executive producer is Cameron Berkman. 
The Rachel Hollis Podcast is a 3% Chance production.